Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's another edition of the Waiting for Next Year podcast brought to you by the Evergreen Podcast Network. We are live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitter. If you are watching us live, we appreciate it. Uh, we're bet it's a Thursday. Last Thursday, we, me and Seth, were on here. I'm oh, and I'm your host, Josh Boha, with Seth and the one and only Joe Gobert, who is not usually on here for Cavs, but here we are. So, last Thursday, it was all happiness. The Cavs were streaking. It was all about. Who's going to be the next All-Star? Darius Garland's doing great. Jerry Allen's doing great. Now, seven days later, the Cavs went one and two. Yes, you can blame this podcast if you want. But Darius Garland has been out the last three games. We will discuss that. And just the Cavs are struggling. But without their lone All-Star, which we will also talk about, it's bound to happen. It's an 82-game regular season. It happens. It is what it is. Seth, Joe, one, how are you guys in the snowstorm? Two, let's talk Cavs. I'm good, man. I'm locked in here. I haven't gone out. I was off today, so it was nice. But yeah, it's uh nice talking Cavs and after off off that uh tough brown season, it's kinda nice uh talking something positive here. <laughs> yeah, it's a little bit of feel good, a little bit of light to talk about. Yeah, definitely snowed in. I've I've plowed twice already today and back's feeling it already, getting old boys getting old so. <laughs> Man, you took it to the next extreme and you're acting like you're darius garland for the darius garland podcast that's, incredible. <laughs> that's a smooth transition right there yeah <laughs> uh but yeah the first time the, the cavaliers have faced a little adversity this season right uh, i don't know if you know if we want to start last three games or we want to start all-star it's it's kind of the good and the bad yin, yin and yang we can go with this pod there's you know i think both are, are really important but you know a little bit of good a little bit of bad here today let's start the saying goes, started from the bottom, now we're here. Let's start from the bottom. Let's start with the bad news first. Darius Garland. I think, I can't even remember how long ago he got hurt, but it's been a nagging back injury. I'm kind of. Was it Golden State? Go- yeah, I Golden think it was State. Golden State. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And ever since then, he's been grimacing at times, and it finally just came to where we couldn't play anymore. So, yes, the Cavs, me and Seth talked about this last, Seth and I talked about this last week. The Cavs had a very easy seven-game stretch where they could have easily went six and one. Now they started off that seven-game stretch one and two, simply because they're without Darius Garland. On one hand, I would much rather them have Darius Garland for this stretch where they can take advantage of these easy games. On the other hand, I would much rather have Darius Garland for games against the Milwaukee Bucks, Miami Heats, and those better teams in the East of the world. So, I mean, how do you guys feel? Would you rather have Darius now against easy teams, which they're easy well not easy wins but much easier to win or would you rather have Darius Garland later in the season against much tougher opponents well I yeah I I think resting him is probably the right move it's he was he played the after that Golden State game there's multiple stretches where he he looked like his back was kind of taking a toll on him so I I I agree with him just kind of sitting 
these losses are are crushing or not not crushing but like just kind of tough to watch um but in the end i think it's better for the team to get it done get it kind of fixed now get it uh all squared away because back issues nba back issues can be really uh destructive to a player so get it get it fixed now get them get them some rest and uh hopefully uh that can get um be down the stretch he'll be uh good to go but yeah i think it was the right move yeah it's it's really interesting at this point you know he's already been ruled out for tomorrow so my my question is you know are they gonna do this really through the all-star break or is it more truly more game to game we just don't know a lot from everything that's been reported i think darius said after the milwaukee game like no you know i'm good it's not a big deal and then boom you know he's he's out and he's being ruled out um, not practicing. So I, yeah, to, to answer your question, I, I do think now probably is the time for him to miss um, hindsight 2020 They had a stretch where they played the, the Knicks on Monday and then they had bucks Wednesday, not another game till Sunday. So it's like, okay, in, in my mind back, you know, he was grimacing already. So, Hey, if they just give him off that bucks game, maybe even Pistons, you're, you're giving him a full week off. Thought that was a good opportunity. Obviously he's, you know, he's a player. He doesn't want to sit out. Um, but now we're, now we're sitting him against some very, very winnable games. So unfortunate, but I do agree. I think, you know, hopefully down the stretch of the season, you know, having him locked in through February, March will, will be a good thing for them, you know, fighting for a, a top six seed. It's crazy how, one sports team in Cleveland sits out their star player for the betterment of the long term, and the other. I thought we were right, going to get away. All from right, all right, we won't go around stock. All right, we won't. Um, back to Cavs. Back to the best team in Cleveland, obviously, over the Guardians and the Browns and the Roller Derby Guardians, always. <laughs> um, damn it, I, I'm already off on a tangent. You're on a tangent already, man. Um, so Darius Garland, the struck. Well, one, they're without Darius Garland. Two. Lowry Markin is, is also out. So if you combine those two, the Cavs are currently without, you could say, four of their top six players from opening night. Ricky Rubio, Colin Sexton, Lowry Markin, and Darius Garland. The fact that they are still a top five team, I think they're still a top five team in the East right now, yeah. right? I haven't looked yeah. at the attendance. Yep. I mean, like we said last the a lot of us cast fans say it. Seth and I said it last week on the podcast. Just enjoy all of this. I mean, there's no expectations. I mean, right now the Cavs are one and two. I mean, if they had high expectations, we'd be like, "How the heck did you just lose to these two teams that you just lost to?" But I mean, I'm all for Darius Garland. I mean, he can sit out if he sits out until the All Star break. I don't know how many games are between now and then, but I wouldn't be opposed to it either if it means. I mean, I'd rather have him sitting out now than him grimacing in the first round of the playoffs. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely agree with that. It's, it's, it's more of a long-term focus than a short term. It's, it kind of sucks that we're watching it in the short term, but it's going to pay off hopefully in the long term that he kind of gets this behind him and he's good to go the rest of the way. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. I mean, we, we've seen it. This team is going to go as he goes this year. So, you know, his health and, you know, he hasn't always been, consistently healthy either right like he's he's had a couple of seasons now he's been banged up so getting him 100 percent, you know absolutely critical and the, the one thing that's not not to divvy away from 
Garland too much. One thing that's been really interesting the last couple of games is has been Kevin Love's like usage and his minutes. And <laughs> I'm starting to feel for our, our boy there. <laughs> what they call him Grandpa Kev. He's so he's he's been playing like 30 minutes a night, you know, initiating yeah. all the offense. So our boy <laughs> He did not Kev. sign up for this. <laughs> yeah. Let's see what the hell's going on. <laughs> it's like the Will Smith meme when he walks in and everyone's gone. It's like let everyone go. <laughs> <laughs> Someone needs to Photoshop Will Smith as Kevin Love, please. <laughs> yeah. But speaking of Darius Garland, the good news: All Star reserves were named tonight. He was one of the I don't even know how many reserves. Seven was it? Seven reserves named in the East? Yeah, I think so. Right. So he was one of seven. Yeah, very cool. well, very well deserved. I mean, he's the first All Star in Cleveland since LeBron. And Kyrie, I guess you could say too. But I mean, he, as I mean, it's cliche to say this, but he has literally put the team on his back, which is probably part of the reason why his back's hurting. But it was, it's a very well deserved um, All Star appearance for him. It's awesome that the All Star game's in Cleveland and they have a guy like Darius Garland representing them. And I hope with Kevin Durant, most, well, he is going to be out of the All Star game. Jared Allen still has a chance to be an injury replacement. That'd be awesome if the Cavs get two. And with Evan Mobley and Isaac Okoro in the Rising Stars game, if they have four representatives All-Star weekend, I am all for that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it, it kind of it's kind of where the the actually injury and and the all-star news kind of coincides because I think I think he made a case without even playing the last three games. It, it's it's a night and day between what when he's on the court and when he's not, and and we we saw the last three games. It was it is just a grind right now watching him without without Darius. There's just the flow is gone, and just like the scoring, yeah, it's uh it, it, the last three games definitely show that he he deserved this, and uh, it, it showed that. Like uh, I don't know if everybody everybody saw the telecast, but uh, Draymond Green and all the guys on the set they they were pretty pretty ecstatic that he got in. I think they all knew that he deserved it, so it was awesome to see. And uh, he's first time in Cleveland. That's pretty cool. Yeah, Joe, that was the exact point I was gonna make. I mean, what what better yeah. proof for him being an All Star than the last three games? I mean, the Cavs have truly gone from a different tier, you know, the yeah. past few games, and some of it's different bodies, but he just means too much to this team to you know to disprove that he's not an All Star. Um, I was looking at some of his numbers earlier today, and yeah, he's top ten in assists per game. I think he's up to number seven or number eight shooting almost 48% from the field as, you know, such a little statured guard that he is. It's just been incredible. And, man, his his fun factor, like I don't know about you guys, but the last three games has just been a, a chore to watch on offense. It's been tough. It's a grind. <laughs> it's grind. He, he unlocks so much with Allen oops and getting the ball to Mobley. Uh, yeah, he's, he's just obviously value-wise he brings it, but just fun factor for us. It's, it's so much better having him in there. And – to carry on with that fun factor and just the offense being a lot better with the Garland, the Cavs pride themselves obviously on defense. JB is JB Bickerstaff is a huge reason for that. But part of the reason that they've had such a good defense prior to these last few games is because when they're making shots, it's a lot easier to play half court defense than it is defense in transition, especially with three seven footers. The Cavs have struggled in transition defensively. So as you can see, these last three games, they've struggled defensively for the most part, because they're just not being efficient offensively. And I know I, the best defense or the, I forget the exact same, a good defense is the team's best offense or something like that. 
Wasn't didn't suffer yeah. Pavel, just say that. The best, but, best um, offense is best is the best defense. So yeah, it was something working. like that. But it's true. I mean, the Cavs, it's like Seth said, it's been a chore to watch them offensively, but because of that, they don't they've also struggled defensively. It goes hand in hand. But back to the Darius Garland All-Star game. When the All-Star game was announced to be in Cleveland, November first, 2018, Dan Gobert said, Hopefully we'll have a player or two in the 2022 All-Star game. That gives us a few years to do that, but we believe. Who would have ever – and then – so that was November 1st, 2018. June 2019, Darius Garland drafted by the Cavs. I would have never expected that Darius Garland would be the lone all-star for – I mean, I'm certainly, like, happy that it's him because he's he seems like a great dude on and off the court, but I would have never expected that, like, four years later it would be Darius Garland. Yeah, his development has just been – off the charts it's each year that's it's a testament to the Cavs uh, development uh, program too each year all the young guys have improved Colin each year uh, Darius each year and then look at Jarrett this year it just it's incredible to see how how much they improve year after year and it's it's fun to watch you just left out so many young players, and I'm not sure if you meant to or not because basically oh. everyone besides Grant, Grandpa Kevin Love everyone else is young <laughs> True, true. Those were the like the most visible, like like Isaac Okoro. True, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, it's uh, it's fun to see, and um, they should they probably have three future or present all stars on their team, which is pretty incredible to talk about. We we um because Evan Mobley is if if anybody if everybody watched last, last night that was that was fun to watch. He was he was in his bag all day and uh it kind of just showcased what he just the skills he's not even he's not even close to a finished product and he's already making just unbelievable plays like someone tweeted yesterday that like he does something each game where like he has that in his game and you're just like wow it's uh he, he i think he crossed someone over yesterday it was He's he's a fun one, and uh, it's just fun to see that they could possibly have three uh, all stars in the near future. Yeah, yeah. One of the things I was going to mention regarding DG, and I to call myself out because you know his first like year and a half on the team, I'm like, who, who, like, yeah, he's a little shifty, but you know he can't defend. He's not getting over any screens. He's an okay shooter, I guess. He's hurt a lot. I think the LeBron, the second LeBron stint messed me up for being able to like project a prospect and like understanding sure. what like young talent looks like and what it can grow into. Just being so impatient with, you know, with those rosters at the tail end of, of Brown's second stint here. Um, so happy, you know, prove me wrong. And I mean, he's, he's just awesome. Yeah. Super happy for him. You know, hopefully he can play in it. That That's one of the things where hopefully he's back, you know, gets back to normal. He can play in it. Um, selfishly, it's kind of both ways for me. I hope he plays in it. And on, on the same token, also would love to see a nice playoff run. So don't need him tweaking his back, uh, throwing an oop to, to Draymond or something crazy in the game. So. Well, one didn't Draymond. I mean, we've. I think both of you have to be fined by waiting for next year. For oh. you've brought up Draymond Green twice already, and that's two twice too many times, by the way. But didn't he already <laughs> say on a live broadcast of the All Star announcement that he is not participating? I think I so. It's probably because he hates Clevelanders. He doesn't want to come to Cleveland. It's probably like the second coming of Joakim Noah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, that guy. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, so Darius Garland, I hope he's back sooner rather than later. The Cavs need him badly. But that also transitions us to the next topic, the trade deadline. If the last three games have shown us anything, it's that the Cavs, one, need a scorer, and two, need another playmaker, because Brandon Goodwin, Point Jetty, and Rajon Rondo are not the answer. I hate to say it, point, they are not point, the answer. Point Jetty lasted, what, like four minutes? <laughs> hey, he had 12 assists. I don't want to hear it, okay? <laughs> oh so, God. we all know the names. Eric Gordon, no. Um, man, that's just totally <laughs> threw me off now. But okay, so if you have, if you each of you have a time, I'm gonna throw this out to you guys. I didn't even uh, say anything about this prior to. If if you could trade for two players, who would they be? That have to be available. It can't be like freaking LeBron James and Luka Doncic. Okay. Okay. Uh, well, I so uh, the most like dream scenario would be obviously Jalen Brown, but. Obviously, that is that's going to take. I don't even know what it would take, um, but I would think the most most realistic one would probably be uh, Karis Levert. I think he would fit perfectly uh, as a shot creator. Kind of, he can score when uh, when things break down, and he's a good ball handler too. So, um, I think Karis Levert would probably be my top choice. I said to Joe. <laughs> All right, so Karis LeVert and Karis LeVert's twin. All right, down to you, Seth. <laughs> All right. Um, so, yeah, there's been some report. You know, it's posture season, right? Who the heck knows what's what's real and what's not? It feels more and more like Pelicans want to be buyers, or at least that's what I'm reading yeah. all over BR, which makes no sense to me. But <laughs> <That's> not- <laughs> maybe maybe Griffin is, is trying to do a Hail Mary to save his job at this point. Um, so that kind of takes my dream, you know, Brandon Ingram off the list. I, I think if, if I were to be very realistic about what I think they'll do, you know, Colin Sexton looks to, to be kind of getting back with the team. I know he was rehabbing down in Atlanta, but he's been, you know, featured a lot on media lately. He's been sitting with the team, traveling with the team. So in, in light of, it appears to be potentially wanting to keep Sexton, I, I'd probably go really, you know, low with like a combo, you know, Schroeder and then like a holiday from the Pacers, just, you know, one guy that can take over the second unit and one guy that can space and, and be like a, a jetty, you know, light when, when jetty's off. I think that's most realistic. Wait, hold on. Hold on. Did you just call someone a jetty light? I'm not sure if that's a compliment or like, a, I don't know. I don't know how to take that. A, a jetty Osman light. I, I don't even, wow. wow. Maybe, maybe I should say like a decaffeinated jetty, like a, like a sober jetty. Maybe that's the way to go there. <laughs> I cannot believe Jetty Osman Light was just used on this podcast. <laughs> uh, I know I, Jetty. a stable Jetty. There we go. Yep, there we go. Stable Jetty. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's you know I'm thinking realistically those are my two names. The, the one I talked about last time, Josh, and I'm still I think I'm still kind of on this bandwagon is Derek White from the Spurs. Um, would love to see him get any bigger, taller, can defend would take some pressure off Darius Garland. He's like a true starting capable guard. I think they put right next to, to Garland, but of course that that's going to have some implications next, next year. He's making about 15 mil a year for the next few years. So, but that's, that's the guy I'm looking at and saying, okay, I'd, I'd be very excited for this season if they went out and got Derek White. I think the cash should just go after the other non all-star 
saved Antonio Spurs. Dejounte, yeah, I would love that. <laughs> that talk about a dream. It will never talk happen. About that is my absolute <laughs> dream. Yes, Dejounte Murray. Oh my god, how is he not an All Star? I don't know. Him but... and Darius would be just insane. Oh my gosh, that'd be incredible. Yeah. I would literally trade anyone besides the Cavs' big three for Dejounte Murray. I think. Yeah. Yep. So, Brandon Ingram, I I want Brandon Ingram too, like you, Seth. But I feel like there hasn't even been like a rumor besides mm-hmm. the Pelicans being buyers. There hasn't even been a rumor that they're trying to trade Brandon Ingram. And yeah. I feel like a week until the, a week before the deadline, if they were trying to trade him, they'd be not making up sources and stuff, but like agents would be putting stuff out to try to drive up the price or try to have it bidding more. Just like agents are, agents and sources are saying that the Cavs are interested in this guy. Well, yeah, they're interested in being, they're being aggressive, quote unquote. So they're going to be interested in every single player that's on the trade market because it's an easy bargaining chip. But see, I want Karis LeVert, but his injury history scares me so much. And they, if the, the one thing, Indiana, said that they want two first-round picks for him. But that's I think, not happening. Yeah, I think as the deadline gets closer, they'll realize that that's not going to happen. I mean, I know I was listening to the Chase Down podcast before this, and they said that last year, man, Evan Fournier, I can't, I don't even know how to pronounce his name. Fournier. Evan Fournier. 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 He, they were saying that they wanted a first-round pick for him. They traded – they got a second-round <laughs> pick for him. And then there was another player that – oh, and then – um. Victor Oladipo from Houston last year. They said that they wanted a first round pick. Mm-hmm. They got a, yeah. a pick swap. They didn't even get yeah. a pick. They got a pick swap. And it's so, never the same. Yeah, it's- exactly. So it's like you're asking for a lot just to hope you like get the median. Yeah. So I, I would, I think, I would trade one first round pick for Karis Levert. I would not trade one first round pick for Eric Gordon. I think that's no. the stance I'm in right now. Yeah, I would definitely agree with that because I, Carrot Revert, I think, is a better player, obviously, right now. And he's younger. He's on, uh, I think, a two year contract. I think he has two years left. Yep. And uh, Gordon is, uh, he's really old. I don't know what Eric Gordon is. I don't like, know what age he is. <laughs> he's like, like 33. He's but it, yes, one, it seems like he's been in the league forever. And two, it seems like he's like 50 years old. No joke. <laughs> he it plays seems like, like it sometimes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> the, like the Cavs need a guy that can create and a shooter and mm-hmm. a guy that's good at defense. Karis LeVert fits two of those. He's not the greatest shooter, but hey, I'll take it. Eric Gordon, I feel like he can only shoot. He can't really create. He doesn't really play defense. And I know sample size, schmample size. I know <laughs> his last five games, he's averaging nine points, two rebounds, two assists while shooting 35% from the field and 11% from three in 32 minutes a night. That is a no-go. If it's a first-round pick, that is an absolute no-go for me. If it's a second-round pick, I'm all for it. You're improving. Mm-hmm. You're getting, like, a eighth guy on the rotation for a second-round pick. I'll take it. But I am mm-hmm. not trading the first-round pick, especially because, yeah. I mean, not that I want the Cavs to use that first-round pick in the NBA draft, but this offseason's here. It's not like if they don't trade the pick now, they're not going to be able to trade it this offseason. So I am not I'm, – I'm totally no Eric Gordon unless it's a second-round pick. Yeah, I would I would say the first round pick would have to go to someone maybe a long term option or just one of a, maybe a higher uh, one and done player. Um, but yeah, it, it's uh, he would not be on my uh, choice of <laughs> first round pick trading there. 
Pit Pass Moto, sponsored by Moto America, is the show that keeps you up to speed on the latest in motorcycling and brings the biggest names in motorcycle racing right to you. From candid interviews with the top names in racing to providing insights into the trends and trendsetters driving the motorcycle industry, we have you covered. New episodes are available every Thursday at pitpassmoto.com and on your favorite podcast app. Ride on. Yeah, one of the interesting dynamics I saw um, about the you know the trade deadline is the Cavs are only I believe only about three point three million away from the luxury line. So, you know, the, <laughs> yeah, right. Jeez. So that's one of the tough parts about you know who they can go get is do they want to kind of start that clock? And I know it's not our money, so you know go whatever, but. You know, it's it's a dangerous precedent because we have some guys we have to pay coming up within Garland and Mobley, and we're probably I keep saying we. I work for the team, guys. If, if oh wow, you know that, but uh, well, who are we trading for? You're yeah. a player. <laughs> yeah. he's a player. <laughs> <laughs> the Cavaliers, the Cavaliers, um, have some guys coming up to pay, so it, it's going to be very interesting. You know, the magnifier, the multiplier, I should say, on that on that luxury tax really ramps up. So I don't know who's out there for very cheap. Um, but I, that might be who they start with, um, you know, and try to avoid that, that luxury tax kicking in here too soon. Two things. One on the luxury tax. I don't think, I mean, Dan Gilbert literally has money growing on trees <laughs> in his backyard, but I think, so he's, I don't think, well, it's easy for me to say, I don't think he's worried about spending a couple extra million if it improves the team. I think he would be worried about, or at least Kobe would be worried about is the repeater tax. If they go over the luxury, luxury tax line this year, it's, I think, because there's a couple teams. That's why, like, Boston's potentially trading Jalen Brown because they're very close to that luxury tax line, too. I think it's $3 for every dollar spent once you're a repeater tax team. So, I mean, let's be honest. The, ri- the rich still worry about their money. It's I'm more worried about the repeater tax than anything. But with that, the the Cavs got uh, – I forget, what are they calling this? Colin Sexton and Ricky Rubio thing? What's it called? The money uh, that they're getting? The yeah, exception, but what's it called? Disabled and section disabled player exception. So they have that. Does if they trade the disabled player exception, say Rubio's is like nine something, Sexton's is like four something or three something, does that count against the tax for whatever they get back? I honestly don't know. I do. <laughs> I feel like no I've because if it doesn't, that's literally well. One, you can't combine the exceptions, right? So just because they have a nine and three, it can't be twelve. It has to be nine and three. But if it doesn't, I feel like that's like an easy nine million dollars, million dollars, and three million dollars that they could just trade. And Dean Gilbert's not worried about twelve million dollars. Let's be honest; he'll just bump up the mortgage rates a little bit. But. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I just feel like that's a, I I should that's something I should have looked into prior to this podcast, but I just randomly occurred to me right now. I was listening to to Lockdown Cavaliers because I was trying to figure out this exact point, like you know what can they partner and, and trade in, trade out with you know trying to avoid that uh, that line, and it seems like it's very uh, complex to figure it out. So everyone's going to talk to their guy, heard Zach, Zach Jackson and Jason Lloyd trying to figure it out, and. Um, guys over at Locked On Cavs, and everyone's like, "Oh, some people say one thing, someone says another." It seems very ambiguous, and um, 
yeah, just just tough to tough to nail down. So above my Zach, pay grade. Zach yeah. Jackson talking Cavs analytics and and money. <laughs> I can only imagine how far that's gone. <laughs> true. <Yeah>. Very true. <laughs> I think the only thing that I know for sure is like you can't put it with a player. Can't put those exceptions with a player, and um, they have to be used by themselves. Yeah. Well, no, and no, they can be combined with, with, with picks, a pick. Yeah. But a pick is just like a throw-in, anyways, unless right. it's a first rounder. So, yeah. The, yeah, the only thing the exceptions can be combined with is a our picks. Yeah. They can't be combined with players or other exceptions, which mm-hmm. I think is even without the like the trade exceptions. I think it's the same exact thing. Yeah, yeah, they are. Um, yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, someone. I I've seen so many different things where you could some you could trade that exception and then afterwards trade Rubio, which would be interesting. <laughs> it just seems weird to me that that would be allowable, but uh, it's an interesting but, thing. And uh, we'll not see. to cut you off, but what's even weirder is that they can trade Colin Sexton's disabled player exception, <laughs> and then he can come back and play with the guy that they <laughs> traded it for. That is true, right? It's like, such a, how does that I mean, make? NBA has some weird, weird cap rules. I mean, if you play the game right, though, you can, you can trade Ricky Rubio's disabled player exception, and then you can trade him after. But if you trade the actual player yeah. first, you cannot yeah, trade the away. disabled player exception. Right. Uh, yeah, that is such a weird rule. Pretty weird. There, there has to be like people in front offices that just like know the little bits of information like that and get paid. Hundreds of thousands of dollars to do that, <laughs> right? Oh yeah, there's definitely there's every every team has a cap cap guy, and uh, they're here just to answer these questions that we all have right now. <laughs> no, no cap. <laughs> hey, <laughs> it feels it feels like there's so much like ammunition for Kobe. You know, I I can't even count how many exceptions and hardships and second round picks like there's so much in his in his war chest right now to go after it's it just it, yeah it feels like when it's not if it's when who would have ever thought that by the way remember during the offseason when we were like what are the Cavs gonna do if they have no right. trade assets they're trying to buy yeah. out kevin love no one wants this guy no one wants that guy they're gonna have to take on like a 30 million dollar player in order to get right. a first round pick it's just oh, my how the town times have changed in the last few months. It's crazy. Yeah. And we're anything in position, else. We're in a position now that we, we probably don't want to draft anymore young guys. That's this, what Seth and I were just talking about that. This not only way too many. <laughs> one, they're too young. And two, yeah. at some point, all these contracts are gonna run out. That's true. At some point you need to stop drafting rookies. <laughs> yeah. Like you gotta you gotta just hit on your you gotta hit on your uh, trades here now and uh, exactly. Yes. Yeah, I think I think in the end they make they'll probably make two trades, maybe uh, pro- not big ones. I I hope we get with like Jalen Brown, but that's just a dream. Um, but it, it's a gonna be interesting. Dream. It's gonna be really interesting. Seven days here. It's uh, the whole league just seems like it's kind of bottled up with like the Ben Simmons, and I think the Pacers are kind of kind of holding up things because they don't know if they're gonna trade people and. There's... Wait, hold on. The Pacers are holding up things because they want two first round picks for Karis Levert. All right, continue. <laughs> yeah, and Sabonis, yeah, and and then uh, Turner got hurt, and there's just a lot of like kind of things up in the air, and we'll see over the next seven days to see if kind of something someone's got to unleash the trades. There's been like nothing. Like this is this is the fewest trades I've seen in a while. 
heading up to the the trade deadline. The uh, draw, draw Seth. Uh, yeah, I was just gonna say real quick. Um, you know, they Cavaliers have six games until the trade deadline. So not to, I'm I'm sorry, to the All Star break. I apologize, All-Star. not to the All Star break. But it, you know, it'll be really interesting to see over the next couple games. I think they've got one, two. Three, three, yeah, three, if not, I guess four is on the deadline. So they've got a few more games that wouldn't anticipate, you know, Kobe's mind changing too much. But, hey, if the Cavs go, you know, if the Cavs lose three in a row, is that going to impact at all the decisions he would make to go get a Levert for this year? I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, like, if they went 0-3 without Darius Garland, I don't think it's a big – it's their Cavs are in a tough spot because it's literally they're just playing with house money. It's like mm-hmm. – they're, but they're also in a good spot, and I trust Kobe. They want to improve the team, but they don't want to ruin this team's chemistry. I mean, Kevin Love is going crazy on Twitter tonight because Darius yeah. Garland made the All-Star. Who would have ever saw that? Darius Garland, he was campaigning <laughs> for Jared Allen to make the All-Star team. Oh, I mean, God. It's just crazy. So, like, they need to improve. They need a playmaker. They need a sh- another shot maker, obviously. I mean, because the last three games have proven that. And they need Darius Garland to take some, or they need to ease some of the burden off of Darius Garland. That's an obvious thing, too. But there's no point in ruining the future of this team or ruining the chemistry of this team just for, like, maybe to get to the second round of the playoffs. You know, Let's be honest. If the Cavs get to the second round of the playoffs, I'm going to be ecstatic. I don't care. I don't care who they beat in the first round. This team going from 27 wins projected to the second round of the playoffs, count me in. The only thing I'll be mad about is if, if we somehow get like a top four seed, we have to play the freaking Nets or something. <laughs> we're so mad. Like we have to play them, Kyrie on the road. It's that would be not fair, but uh, it, it's gonna be it's gonna be a really tough. I, I think it's what the last seed in the in the playoffs is like. I think eight or like five or six behind first place. So it's pretty bottled up here right now. So that's why I think the trade deadline is kind of kind of stalled right now because not a lot of teams are out of it there's a lot in the west but not not many in the east yeah if you look at the standings right now Cavs currently fifth and charlotte who's in seventh so you know would be the kind of first team in the play in um is only three games back of cleveland and then you've right. got behind charlotte you've got you know toronto boston who are half game back and then and then the hawks so it, they're in this unique position Cavs are two games you know out of first but also six games out of not making the play-in. So, you know, for this late in the season, it, it's just crazy how how yeah. bunched up the teams are. Usually, I feel like you're a little bit more spread out. There's not, you know, a ton of bottom dwellers outside of Detroit and in Orlando in the East. Uh, the Cavs not being part of that bottom dwellers discussion is so awesome, by the way. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for Pistons fans. <laughs> it seems like they've been part of the bottom dwellers group since – since uh, their heyday, when, since yeah, their heyday, pretty much. Yeah. And the, I was watching the Cavs game. They still have that same announcer that does Detroit basketball. I know. I, I was surprised by that too. I was like, what? How is that guy not retired yet? I would have retired when Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, and Rasheed Wallace left. Billups. As I say, we were listening to that in like 06, right? That was a long time ago. But yeah, he was pal- the malice in the palace. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh man, bring back the days there. <laughs> but now that thing, man, now it's stuck in my head. Detroit basketball. <laughs> Although there are only like 100 fans there, though. Usually when it's a sold out crowd, the entire crowd's in it too. I uh, know. Yeah, it's, it doesn't kind of ring as much uh, anymore. <laughs> 
All right, so the trade deadline, I think we can all agree. Eric Gordon, no first-round pick. I'm fine with getting him for a second-rounder. That's it. Karis LeVert, one first-round pick. Or do we agree on that? Yeah, I wouldn't put two. Brandon Ingram, that's a, that's a pipe. Same with DeJounte, DeJounte Murray. Two guys that I'd love to have. Well, I can't not both of them, but one one of them. It's just not going to happen. I mean, unless Kobe Altman pulls something out and there's no sources, nothing. Just nothing's been said. That's what I feel like. He's a pull like the Indians, how like the Indians just do like a trade when there's like nothing sourced. That's what I feel like is going to happen with the Cavs. Oh, yeah. The Cavs are, they're actually pretty, it's pretty, they're notorious for kind of things popping out of nowhere. Like, Jared Allen. Yeah. Look at the Lori Markinen. Like, no one had that. No one even thought they were even interested in him. He just came out of nowhere. So, yeah, I, I expect uh, I expect a lot of uh, – I expect the two trades might be, like, kind of out of the blue. Like, um, like maybe Terrence Ross is another name that we kind of don't talk about yet. That's and, right. Uh, yes. Yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting. There's a lot of – like, there's a lot of – there's a, someone tweeted that a lot of teams need centers, which we don't, luckily. <laughs> We got plenty of those. Everyone's trying to be the Cavs. <laughs> right, Literally, everyone true. is trying to be the Cavs. Remember when <laughs> everyone tried to be the Golden State Warriors with the small ball? We are, everyone's we like, are. wow, this three seven-footer thing is pretty cool. We are trendsetters. <laughs> but, yeah, it's uh, – and then – but if you look at, like, our needs, there's got a – there's quite a few good options out there. Um, and I don't think it's going to cost a lot. Um, I think it, it could cost, like, nothing more than the – that it could not even affect like the team that's playing this year. Like we could just trade like Rubio and, and first round picks and stuff like that. And not even mess with what, what's already on the court. So that's pretty cool. I, yeah, I think they can, they can improve. They can acquire two guys. And like you said, not have to trade anyone, but Rubio's contract mm-hmm. with, is he even on the bench anymore? I don't think he's even with the team anymore. That Count Sexton is. Yeah, I was a, I I haven't seen him, and that was one of those things. Like early on, you didn't want to trade him because of how much importance he was. But I don't think he's with the team. I don't know. I haven't seen him. Same. No, I think I think you're right. Yeah, I don't think he's he's been with the team. And that scenario feels more and more likely as we get closer. I think like it feels like they're going to keep Sexton, get a one or two rental guys that are good enough to get them to the playoffs. Hopefully, you know, because I think they're going to value that first round experience so much for Garland and Allen and Mobley. So get get some rental guys that can get them there, and then this offseason, Josh, like you said, kind of restock. Maybe you you kind of look at that more, you know, splash bit bigger acquisition type this off season, but just get some rental guys this year that can try to get you there. Um, and then get all that awesome experience that, that they really need. You need to save that first round pick for a LeBron James trade, right? <laughs> I'm going to be asking out after I've been playing with Russell, Russell Westbrook. All oh my gosh. <laughs> I know Seth and I talked about this last week. It's crazy that the Cavs are in a much better position than the Lakers. And now it's crazy. And I think I'm going to, uh, Seth, you're gonna be like half off the screen for this. Oh no, it's just small. Okay, no, we're good. Adam Cerny, he definitely means Buddy Healed. That is a name that's been brought up. The Kings, the Kings have been bottom drawers too since like the Mike Bibby days. No joke. <laughs> um, I think he still owed a bunch of money, so I don't think the Cavs would be in on. He would be a great guy as like a two guard for this year's team, but I think he's owed too much money. I don't think the Kobe Altman would do that. 
Yeah, I think uh, I'm going to look up to see what his numbers are. Uh, let's see. Yeah, he's owed yeah, 22 million for three. I like he would Ooh. definitely he would definitely be a player I would love to have. Like his shooting is he's one of the top probably 10 shooters in the league. Um, but yeah, that's uh I don't know how you fit that in. I don't know if you you would trade Lori for him, but I, I don't know if I would do that trade. But um, yeah, he's probably a little bit out of their market. But you probably have to look at those like lower lower price guys, like the Terrence Rosses and um, guys like that ilk. But uh, we'll see. Yeah, we talked about Heald a little bit last time, and he he feels like the kind of guy the Kings are are going to say we want your your Sexton or we want your Coro. You know, I don't I don't think you're getting healed with. Um, you know, with uh, Rubio's contract and a first, you're going to have to throw some dollars on there. And that either means Joe, like you said, Laurie or, or somebody else. Yeah. It just feels like a little bit too big of a swing um, based on what we think Kobe's going to do this year. Yeah. And I know Adrian Mojanowski just brought a, uh, just tweet out ESPN story on possibility of Brooklyn Nets guard, Joe Harris needing a second procedure on his left ankle. If he Ooh. was healthy that I, See, Joe Harris is my guy. He was by far my favorite NBA player when he was a Cav and with the charge. Oh man, I would love him on the Cavs. It's just not, it's obviously not gonna happen. But he yeah. the Cavs, if the Cavs could get like a knockdown three-point shooter for the three, imagine how much easier Darius Garland's life would be. Yeah. 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 It's uh it's gonna be I think that's I think that's what they're they might be going towards. They might go for like a point guard shot creator, like a Schroeder as you said, Seth, and then maybe like a shooter like a Terrence Ross or something like that. Just uh, someone needs someone to kind of expand the floor, and then while expanding the floor, you have a guy who can take pressure off him and dribble the ball and stuff like that. So it'll be interesting to see. But I, I think they come out of it with two new players next year, next week. That'll be my prediction. And with that, I have to leave. <laughs> so uh, you have a good time, guys, and uh, I will see you maybe next week. Probably after, hopefully, they make two trades. We'll see you when we see you. Wait, what, yes. is the trade done on that four, three, like three or four o'clock? That's usually when it is. It's right? usually like three, I think. Three o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. Joe, we'll be on that night. So you're more yeah. than welcome to join us, like usual. I will be there, guys. Thanks for joining us tonight, though, dude. See ya. Awesome. See you, Joe. Thanks. It was fun. All right. Now, just back to the two of us. Just <laughs> the two of us. So, <laughs> trades. I mean, the Cavs are in such a tough – well, not a tough spot, but just like Kobe, I wonder the last three games, one, has proven how Darius Garland is by far the most important player on the Cavs, by far. Two, it's also proven to Kobe and company that the Cavs need a shot creator and a shot maker now more than ever. I mean, it was one of those things where it was like, all right, yeah, they need someone to ease the burden off of Darius Garland. Now it's like the Cavs need someone to ease the burden off Darius Garland. Does that make sense? Hundred percent. Yeah, it does. Yeah, they. You know, they, we know they. We we knew they needed it regardless of of Darius Garland's back, and and now they're they're pressed up with well, once Garland comes back, he's probably not. You know, I shouldn't say for certain, but he's probably not going to be a hundred percent coming out of the gate. They really need some ammunition to help him. Like we said earlier, his health is is critical to this team, so they need someone to take that burden off. Which I agreed with what Joe said. You know, two new players, maybe one point guard. 
uh, creator and then one uh, one wing who can maybe do a little bit of uh, of initiating too because they they have to take some some of the burden off him and, and have a healthy Garland if they want to you know look at a first round uh, playoff series at the end of this year. And I think we talked about this last week too. This Cavs team this year at least will go as far as Darius Garland will take them. I mean Evan Mobley can have a career night like he did. Well, not career a career high, so obviously he'll do better than that, but so far in his career. But the Cavs still looked, eh. I mean, it's just one of those things where, like, Darius Garland being on one on the court and two having success makes the entire team that much better. Yep. And you, you talked about Mobley. I had, had to throw some quotes in that we heard earlier on this week that were – you know, I, I love when they come from players, you know, guys that have played, guys that have won championships. When a, when an analyst gives it, it's like, okay, great. But when you hear Hall of Fame type players give quotes about, um, you know, your potential rookie of the year, it gets, gets you pretty excited. So when Rondo came over, um, he was going through kind of the media outlet. And, and one of the things that he talked about uh, regarding Mobley, um, he, he mentioned he might be the most talented rookie I've ever played with. And I have to pause there because that's just a shocking statement. <laughs> Rondo's been in the league for like 16 years. Yeah, now that you say that, I actually tried to look up the rookies that Rondo has played with, but it was an impossible task unless you like <laughs> went on every individual roster. Did you by chance look up any other rookies? Because I have no idea. I just was going in my head and in, in all the different you know teams that he's been on by year. So I, I kind of had I didn't write anything down, but I was going through mentally kind of all the different you know all the different young folks that have come through and I, yeah, I mean he's he's had to play with just some some absolute studs over over his career. So then um, he, he finished it up with being able to control so many things on the court even without scoring the basketball. And I think that. Uh, it, completely passes the eye test. You know, when you watch an Evan Mobley game, he might finish with 15 points, eight rebounds, two blocks. You're like, oh, that was, you know, that was a pretty decent game. And if you look at some of the advanced stuff, some of the contests, um, watch him taking on guards out of the three-point line or, or watching him do his little, like, when the Cavs run out that zone and he's, like, leading it up at the one and they, they have, like, a box behind him. Like, what he's doing on the court just does not fit into the box score whatsoever. So to hear Rondo give him such high praise, uh, you know, was, was pretty awesome. Yeah, I mean, Rondo – we know his struggles. He's shooting too much with the Cavs. It is what it is. But he has won, like you said, been around in the league. He's a veteran. He might be a Hall of Famer. I don't know. His, that's for another day. The discussion's for another day. But he's an interesting case for Hall of Famer. If he has positive things to say about a player on the Cavs, it's a good thing. So, I mean, him already, like, he's been on the Cavs for, what, two, three weeks now? And him already realizing this stuff with Evan Mobley and just, like, saying this stuff? That is huge for Evan Mobley. Yeah. It, one other guy on, I think it was on TNT, D Wade was doing a segment with them and he he did the same exact uh, call out for Mobley. He, he said, he reminds me of Toronto Chris Bosch, but with a right hand. So, you know, I, we were talking in the discord earlier. Like, I, I don't know. He doesn't, he doesn't quite remind me of a Chris Bosch, but Hey, if you want to comp him to a hall of famer, yeah, I think, I think the Cavaliers will take that. <laughs> if you ever comp Evan Mobley to like Tim Duncan or Chris Bosch, I'm all for it. Literally all for it. I mean, it's just, I mean, we could literally have one podcast about Evan Mobley. I mean, you guys discussed it. I forget if it was you or Joe, just like he seems to have one play in every game where he's like, how did he just do that? And the fact that he's a 20 year old rookie and he's nowhere near his prime and he's nowhere near the body type that he'll have. I mean, he still has to put on some muscle, but like it's, 
he's going up against some of the best players in the NBA, and he makes them look silly sometimes. It's crazy to me. It is literally no one saw this coming. And speaking of no one saw seeing this coming, I mean, I know Houston won the game last night, but like, how did Houston one not get Jared Allen and the trade that sent James Harden to Brooklyn? Cleveland somehow out of nowhere jumped in as a third team and acquired Jared Allen. And then, I mean, Jalen Green's good, but Evan Mobley's like a genera- generational talent. And Houston messed up those two things, and now they're both the Cavaliers. And the reason that the Cavs are in the spot that they are is because Houston messed those two things up. Hello, and welcome to Novel Conversations, a podcast about the world's greatest stories. I'm your host, Frank Lavallo. And for each episode of Novel Conversations, I talk to two readers about one book. And together, we summarize the story for you. We introduce you to the characters, we tell you what happens to them, and we read from the book along the way. So if you love hearing a good story, you're in the right place. Our ninth season is coming this fall. Tune in to hear from some of the all-time great authors, Charles Dickens, Jules Verne, F. Scott Fitzgerald, and more. Subscribe to Novel Conversations wherever you listen to podcasts. Yeah, we talked last time, the last pod of, you know, the Rocket fans should not be going up to their roofs. Like, it's, it's going to be okay. Like, you'll be in the <laughs> you'll be in the, in the lottery again. You'll get another player. But they have to be absolutely kicking themselves. I mean, they, they went complete opposite. If you think about the type of player that Jalen Green is, like, just kind of a, you know, Lou William type. You know, we'll see what he, what he turns into. But very, like, flashy kind of slash kind of can shoot well, but he's kind of small. Um, guy who's not probably not going to give you a lot on defense to Evan Mobley, who you know just looks so poised out there. I, I've never, I haven't seen obviously since since LeBron, I haven't seen a rookie on the Cavaliers that's so patient. Like his little turnaround shot that he does, it doesn't matter if you know there's a seven footer on him, or if there's more of an athletic wing, he just takes his time, you know, puts his puts his ass into him a little bit, does his little turnaround, and, and gets a shot up. Um, he's struggling from the free throw line right now, which I, I don't want to go negative on Evan Mobley. Who, hold on, who isn't on the Cavs right now? <laughs> I guess that's another discussion. Cavs, yeah. make your damn free throws. Man, I mean, last night they lost – well, they lost by like 12 or whatever it was, but it was a two-point game with two and a half minutes left. If they make more free throws, if you shoot like 70 75%, you win that game. Mm-hmm. I went back and looked at Mobley's free throws throughout the season because he started off pretty well. I, you know, when I think in between October and November, he was up close to about 70% matched, you know, matched his shooting stroke. Hey, the guy's taking some threes, making some nice contested jumpers felt right. And then looking in since, uh, since January 1st of this year, he's down to 52 and a half percent. So just complete crater to, you know, don't know if it's the, the rookie wall thing. If, you know, if he's just, um, your body's getting a little tired, but yeah, it's, it's been rough in the free throw line. Like, like you said, not just him, everyone, Chetty's missing free throws. Occasionally Kev misses a big one. No one's hitting right now. And without Garland, I mean, they're, they're just a really poor free throw shooting team. And to, for exact stats from the beginning of the season until December 31st, he shot 77.5% from the free throw line. So something, I don't know what happened. I mean, then again, as a basketball and, I used to play basketball, not anymore. I'm way too out of shape. But free throws, much like some other things in sports, it's a total mental game. I mean, if you go up into thinking that you're going to make the shot, 
is there a good chance it's going to go in? But it's completely mental. So I feel like maybe the 20-year-old rookie is in his own head when it comes to free throws now, which if, if he was shooting 77.5%, now he's said he's shooting in the 50s in this new, in 2022. It has to be mental. It has to be. Yeah, that, that stroke is too pure. It's it's too clean. It, it's going to come around, but it is a little worrisome that, you know, it, it's kind of happened along with all the other bad things that have happened with the Cavs this year with, with Garland getting hurt, Rubio getting hurt, um, some other – it's a tough stretch. So, yeah, it's definitely not the right time. But, you know, like like you said earlier, it's not it's not doom and gloom. This, this is all – you know, this season's a win no matter which way you cut it. So it'll come around. It's not doom and gloom, but, man, it would be so much better if – I mean – Imagine if Evan Mobley, being the all-around guy that he is offensively, if he can be like a, I'd even say I'd take a seventy-five percent free throw shooter in his career. I mean, that's like a difference of probably two or three points a game. If he's shooting like, I mean, he's not shooting that many free throws now, but once he starts, I don't know. I'll take seventy-five percent, and it's just one of those things. It has to be, like I said, it has to be in his, it has to be a mind game now, but. It is what it is. We're talking about a 20-year-old rookie in his first NBA season, so I we've already seen enough. <laughs> he can literally miss every single free throw the rest of the year, and I'll still say that it's a very positive year for Evan Mobley. It's a great point. If our biggest nitpick with him is free throws, he's doing good. <laughs> exactly. <be> right. <laughs> yeah. That is a great point, too. Yeah, if, if we're nitpicking free throws for a 20-year-old rookie, that is – I mean, I saw some rankings. I think it was Nick Wright had his top 30 players in the NBA. Guess who was on that list? Evan Mobley. Who would have ever thought who would have ever saw that coming? Top 30. Wow. I mean, it, we, this could be like an art. It wouldn't really be an article, but like if you were to start an NBA franchise right now, Evan Mobley has to be like a top 15 player you draft, right? Yeah, I mean, not even like going through teams like LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Giannis, Luca, those guys. James Harden, oh, I hate James Harden, though. Well, not hate him. I just dislike him. He does for too many uh, fouls. But, like, Evan Mobley has to be a top 15 player if you were to start a franchise right now. Yeah. If, if you're, like, if you're talking about locking one guy in for the next, you know, for the rest of his career, no doubt. He, he might even be, like, top 10. You know, he is that. it seems like he has that much upside where I, I don't know if you're taking that many guys over him if, if you're locking him in for the rest of his career. I mean, it's very, very, very short list ahead of him. Which is crazy. And we're nitpicking his free throws, which I'm completely <laughs> fine with. But yeah, I mean, last night they can. And speaking of Houston, I mean, they have Christian Wood. He's a very good player. But the Cavs went with best player available when it came to the draft, which is why they drafted Darius Garland, even though they already had Colin Sexton. I feel like the reason, which is what we were talking about a few minutes ago, the reason Houston didn't won want Jared Allen in the trade back for James Harden and two take Evan Mobley is because they already had Christian Wood. It has to be two mistakes that they regret now. That's why you just in the M in an NBA world where one it's positionless and two, if you have the best player on the court, you're going to have good odds of winning the game. A lot of times you have to draft and acquire the best player possible, no matter what position you have and no matter what position he, he is. It's as simple as that especially when you get down into a playoff series, it, you know, each team knows what each other are running. So it's like, if you have the best player on the, on the court, you're probably going to win that. You know, it's all about, everyone's hustling. Everyone's going hundred miles an hour. So if you got the best player, you got the best shot at, at winning that series. So hundred percent agree with you there. Um, 
I wanted to shout out one other guy really quick. So you and I jinxed the Cavaliers, like we said. They've gone one and two since then. Yeah, we have to keep a trick. <laughs> one and two, but there's a there's a little asterisk. Darius Garland's hurt, but continue. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Aside from us jinxing and, and DG being hurt, um, one of the games. So I, I went. I was at the the Pelicans game that they squeaked out, and Brandon Goodwin was just awesome. Um, I went back and watched the game because sometimes, you know, when you're at the arena, you get caught up, was eating nachos, you know, drinking some great tasting, less filling Miller Lite. Ooh, nachos sound really good right now. <laughs> Not a sponsor, but hey, you know, maybe one day. <laughs> uh, and I went back and watched a little bit of tape in the fourth quarter because Cavs were down nine with, um, you know, I think midway through the fourth and then came all the way back and wanted to single out a Coro. I, I know you're, I know you're a pretty big a Coro fan and went back and watched. He had a, a 30 second stretch. Cavs were down five. Uh, Goodwin, I think had some action over to the right. A Coro found his way to the, the corner three on the left-hand side, took it with confidence, hit it. So they're, they're coming back down, uh, down just two at that point on the flip side, the Pelicans came up, um, tried to screen a Coro. A Coro gets super skinny avoids it and then the guy trying to screen him kind of hugs him and he gets called for an offensive foul so and Cavs went down and scored so an immediate five you know five point differential just based on a coro and I, I just love this guy I mean he's he's so tough he's so strong um he plays so hard and it's, it's just nice to see his offensive game come around and he was I know Goodwin went bonkers and he was a huge reason for the win but a coro did like all the little stuff in that game that gave them a shot at at winning so not not to dissect every game but just wanted to, to call out his efforts and he, he was just awesome in that Pelicans game I know we talked about this last week too there are a few players in the league that are available that I would trade Isaac Okoro for he just spends I mean one he's super young still but he's already a top seven defender in the NBA is a non-center. I'd say top five non-center. When, when you have a player, a, a two or three guard that can go out and defend positions one through four and make things very tough for the opposing team's best non-center. That means so much for a team that, I mean, it's yes. It would be nice if Isaac or Crow could score like 15 to 20 points a game, create shots for himself and do that. But like, he, like you said, he brings so much to this team that's never in the box score unless you look at the analytics. And I just love, I mean, if he can just develop a little bit more offensively, he's be a huge, I mean, it will go from a big three to a big four just because he provides so much defensively. Yeah. And, and selfishly, he's one of those guys where the Cavaliers may not need to break the bank for, you know, that a lot of the advanced folks know this is a really good player, but I think sometimes you get away with not paying those guys a ton of money. Cause you can, you can call out some easy flaws, but he, you know, his fit with this team could be so good with the players around him. So yeah, totally agree with you. And I'm excited to, to think about that, that big three going into the big four with, with a And you're right. I, the list of guys that, I would be interested in trading him for has gotten so much smaller this year and he's even had his struggles, but just, he brings so much, no interest in trading him. I mean, like Darius Garland, if imagine if Darius Garland had to go out and guard Luka Doncic or DeJounte Murray, or I mean, anyone, any non big that would take so much away from his offensive game when you can just stick Isaac O'Hurler on him or for say 30, 35 minutes a night. It, not only helps the defense, but it also helps the offense because Darius Garland and, and guys like that don't have to worry about guarding the team's best non-big. 
that's an excellent point. And like and Darius would, you know, he doesn't have the near the body type that a Coro does. So he would be getting worn out <laughs> if respectfully all-star Darius Garland would, would have a tough time with some of those matchups. So you're on hundred percent, right? So yeah, you just said all-star Darius Garland. Like we said earlier, Darius Garland is an all-star. He was named an all-star reserve, one of seven all-star reserves in the East tonight. There's a good chance. I don't know when the NBA All-Star Draft is, but I would assume that clutch member, which is Darius Garland as well, LeBron James, who is a team captain, will draft Darius Garland. So he will, Darius Garland, if that's true, he will be wearing a red jersey for the All-Star game. For those that haven't watched the All-Star game recently because the Cavs have had no one in it, the East gets 12 All-Stars. The West gets 12 All-Stars, but it's not East versus West anymore. It's two team captains. It's LeBron and the Giannis, I think. Is it? I honestly don't know who the East captain is. I th- you know, I think it's KD, but I don't even know. Is he going to pick the guys and then not play? Oh, yeah, you're right. I don't know. Yes, I don't know how that works. But, okay, so there's two ke- team captains from each – or there's a team captain from each conference, and they just have a snake draft. And then those – it's 12 versus 12. And it's in Cleveland on February, I think it's Sunday after Super Bowl. So Sunday, February 20th, I think, maybe? 20th, yep. So it's Super Bowl the 13th, Cavaliers All-Star in Cleveland, or Cavaliers All-Star, All-Star game in Cleveland, NBA All-Star game in Cleveland the 20th. I mean, I'm the fact that the Cavs have an All-Star for the All-Star game in Cleveland, I I feel like that can't be stated enough because no one, literally no one saw this coming this year. Yeah, when we're looking at the lineup of the entire weekend festivities, we've got, you know, Garland in for the for the game, obviously, to be determined on Allen if you know if Kevin Durant opens up a spot. You've got Mobley and Okoro uh, at the Rising Stars, and then who knows, maybe Love gets into the three point potentially. I mean, he'd be a heck of a candidate for it, and since he's local, you know, he could have a shot. And JB Bickerstaff still has a chance to be the head coach. I mean, the Cavs are struggling, so it's kind of hurt them because I think it goes to the top team in the East. But there's six games left, and the Cavs are two games out, so it's still possible. I mean, it would be the fact that the Cavs have four players participating in All Star Weekend, potentially the head coach as well. Like I, I know I've said this multiple times tonight, and literally no one saw this coming. I mean, the Cavs might say, "Yeah, we maybe saw this coming." But even Vegas, who seems to always be right a majority of the time, saw 27 wins come in, and now the Cavs are on pace for 50, even with this one and two stretch. So it's just, I mean, I know I said this last week. I know you said this multiple times, but just enjoy this. The literally, the Cavs are playing with house money. It'll, the Cavs basketball will never be this fun because there's no expectations. So the more they win, the more they win. It is what it is. Yep, expectations are, are a bitch, and we have zero this year. <laughs> so we just got to enjoy it. And Adam Sterney uh, said it's Team LeBron versus Team Durant. So that will, so yeah. I guess Durant will just be the GM but not play, which is odd to me. That's super odd to me. It's a true, like, general manager type role for him. That'll be true. interesting. <laughs> true. True. I can't wait to see what he says on his Twitter burner accounts. Yeah. <laughs> the, the one, uh, so. Everything you said was 100% right. It's so exciting. I can't wait to just see everything on TV. I'm like weird like that. Whenever there's like a national game for the, you know, for the Browns or the Cavs, I just love seeing how they shoot the city and uh, it'll be really cool, uh, you know, how everything plays out. Hopefully the the weather will like keep up enough where it's it's not just a complete, you know, bleep it's, show. It's not <laughs> maybe 
the weather is getting out of its system right now because right now we have about 12 inches here in northeast ohio and it's a lot of snow and ice and ugliness but it has like three weeks to work it no it, it has two and a half weeks to work itself out of its system so yeah. <laughs> but yeah nope. i'm excited for the all-star facilities i mean it's to be fun friday i think it's fr- friday night's the rising stars game saturday night is all the other slam dunk three-point skills challenge which Evan Mobley, I'm surprised he. I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if he is in the Skills Challenge. Mm-hmm. What a Maybe. great fit! Yeah, yeah, great fit for it. Yeah. In Cleveland too, and then yeah, suddenly the All Star Game, all in freaking Cleveland, Ohio, and the Cavs are representing one of the best young teams in the NBA are representing. Yeah. And I have one gripe. I got one gripe for you. Have, you. have you seen the jerseys for the All Star Game yet? One, I saw the jerseys, and two. I saw like the reason that like they made them what they are, and it has literally nothing to do with Cleveland, no matter what. The, I I don't even know what the exact description is, and I don't have time to look it up right now because I wouldn't know where to find it. But they tried to like correlate like the lake, and I was like, "What? That has nothing to do with the city of Cleveland, like whatsoever." Yeah, some spokesman said like the the letters are built around Cleveland architecture. I'm like, no, they're they're really not. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Literally aerial font. No, I'm kidding. It's not <laughs> yeah. aerial. But. Time, yeah, Times New Roman. Yeah. <laughs> the only thing I, I do like the NBA All Star logo, how it like incorporates the terminal tower and it like that. I I like that. Yep. Yeah, that was pretty cool. I, I saw a really funny um, tweet about because uh, it kind of has like it kind of has like that little diamond meshy type of look the jerseys do and i saw someone mention like oh this is like the penny you get in sixth grade gym class when you're when you're doing kickball or, so, or dodgeball or something like 100 percent knocked out of the park <laughs> they totally i mean why not even do like wine and gold or like something ca- it has like these the all, the jerseys that they're wearing this year could literally be worn any other year as they had nothing to do with Cleveland. yeah and I'm so jealous about if if you go back and look at like the 1997 All Star Game, every team is wearing their own jersey, and it just looks so sweet. I miss that. Oh. I that <laughs> I think the MLB does that again, where like one team wears home jerseys, one team wears away. That is by far the best. It's like peak jersey. You go back and look at like Vince Carter wearing the the Toronto Raptor purple and and Tracy McGrady in the in the blue. Oh, it was yeah. That was that was when I really started getting into basketball. But that's like peak jersey time for me. They, they were awesome. Yeah, and you can still sell. I mean, if you're the NBA, you obviously want to sell All Star jerseys. The MLB sells All Star jerseys, but they wear their actual jerseys for the game. Just do that. I yeah. That's one thing that you brought up a good point. I wish they would just do. One team wears home jerseys, one team wears away jerseys, and it's as simple as that. Oh, it would be so much better, but not not to be a complete Debbie Downer. I cannot wait for the All Star. It's going to be awesome. It's going to be excellent. It really is. Yeah, I mean that's man. February twentieth is two and a half weeks away. That's crazy to me. By the way, um, but yeah, so we're on here for freaking over an hour again. Time flies when you're talking about the fun Cavaliers. Seriously, so trade deadline seven days. Cavs are one and two since we started this podcast, but it's without Darius Garland, so there's a little asterisk there. I will, you can count a little bit. It counts in the standings, but I'm not really going to count it in the waiting for an extra podcast standings. So it is what it is, right? 
That's right. And they've, they've got some winnable games coming up. They, you know, Hornets is going to be tough, but they've got Pacers, Spurs. Um, and like you said last time, Pacers around the trade deadline could be very different looking team. So, yeah, they, they, there's going to be some some winnable games here. Let's see if Garland gets back. Yeah, I hope it's one of those things where let Darius Garland get. I don't want to rush him back, which I think they're smart enough to not rush him back, but I want him to be as close to 100% as possible. And not have to stop the rest of the season. I don't want to have nagging back injuries because he came back too early. But I feel like Kobe and JB would not let that happen. So I trust them, I guess. And I can't wait until he's back. And I hope that the Cavs have also realized, like we said earlier, that they need to make a trade, whether it's for one or two players. It needs to be a shot maker and it needs to be a shot creator. Because Rajon Rondo and Brandon Goodwin, I love them both, but they're not the answer, especially when it comes down to crunch time. They are not. And we're going to, I think we're going to have a really fun podcast next week, hopefully coming on Thursday, uh, just hours after the trade deadline, talking about, like you said, one, if not two deals in a, a very different top eight. You know, whether, you know, even including Laurie and, and Garland coming back, I think they're going to they're going to pick up some rotational pieces to help them make this push for the last uh, last few months of the season. Absolutely. Yeah. So like Seth said, we will be we will be back here a week from tonight, Thursday night, hours after the trade deadline. Hopefully we'll be talking about a couple new players on the Cavs and how they didn't give up much for him about how they somehow like snuck into a deal and dot someone <laughs> like they did Jared Allen because we were all surprised by that. For those of you watching us live, appreciate it. Always feel free to comment like Adam Cerny did tonight. We'll include your comments in the live show. For those of you listening later on, at anywhere you listen to your podcast, we are on every single platform, whether it's Apple, Spotify. I mean, there's so many different podcast platforms now. No matter where you're listening to us, live or in the future, we appreciate it. And, yeah, we'll be back. This will be a weekly thing, at least so far, and we will be back here a week from tonight to talk post-trade deadline and hopefully some winning basketball. So hope if you're in Northeast Ohio, please be safe. I know there's a lot of weather out there. And as always, go Cavs. Let's go Cavs. The Korean War has sadly been known as the Forgotten War, but half a century earlier, the United States was locked in a bloody conflict in Asia that's been all but erased from the history books. Hi, I'm Alex Hasty, the host of Ohio vs. the World, an American history podcast on the Evergreen Podcast Network. In our newest episode, we speak to experts about the Philippine-American War, America's first Asian counterinsurgency conflict. The heroes, the villains. We'll discuss President McKinley, Admiral Dewey, the vicious brutality of the fighting, and the scandals and war crimes that nearly sunk Theodore Roosevelt's presidency. Check out our show, Ohio vs. the World, on the Evergreen Podcast Network for our new episode about America's most forgotten war. Now back to the show. Hi, this is comedian and writer, and let's be honest, I do a lot of things. This is Dean Archipotas, the host of Whiskey Business, the podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. Yes, we drink and talk about whiskey, but we do so much more with so many interesting people. For example, we talk to comedians like Greg Warren. You know, I don't want to brag, but let's just say I can walk into a Red Lobster and get whatever. 
You know, I think the pause right there is probably more important than the word. Amazing athletes like boxing champion Buster Douglas. When a fighter's down and he's looking for his mouthpiece instead of trying to get up. That's when I knew it was over. Yeah, yeah. right? And, yes, Bigfoot chasers. Do you believe in Bigfoot? And if so, does he really eat beef jerky? <laughs> the Bigfoot thing is people have seen these, and, and I've seen a lot of compelling evidence about it. It's Whiskey Business with Dino Tripodis. Join us for what we call a good conversation with a good poor. You really can't ask for much more than that, can you, people? Check us out at whiskeybusinesspod.com, a proud member of the Evergreen Podcast Network.